Welcome to the Art of Getting Your Shit Together podcast, where each week we help you identify the bullshit that's holding you back and discover the courage to take action to create a life you love and enjoy. I don't know how you feel about oatmeal uh, or baked oatmeal. And for the listeners, before we segue into into today's topic, I've been finding TikTok so educational. I know there's some, like you're, you are off TikTok and my sister isn't on there either, but I've stumbled upon this gal who makes these gluten-free and dairy-free oatmeal bakes that are like have protein. And I'm like, I've been thinking about, you said banana and I'm like, they're, one of them has half of a ripe banana. And you know me, I always have really ripe bananas on hand. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try that out tomorrow morning. Is this chocolate chip banana baked oatmeal? That sounds good. Oh man, do you like oatmeal? And they're like single serving, so you like throw it in the in the like three fifty for like fifteen minutes, and it's like five ingredients, most nice. of which we have on hand. So anyway, I'll link that in the show notes today if anyone's looking for some good. That reminds me of fall and winter, like yeah, like into good the fall mood. And mm. here we are. Like I have my pumpkin, literally a my. My husband's like, I got you a white girl drink. He brought in the pumpkin spice latte. He went to Starbucks this morning. So, but today we're going to be debunking the myth of laziness. And this was inspired by an article on Intelligent Change, which is one of my favorite websites. It's the blog from the Five Minute Journal. And for anyone who's used a five minute journal, you probably already know about this website, but I, we get, I get all kinds of podcast topics from the, the reads on here from the blog. And this was written by Kinga Lewandowska. And this article was so good. And I know we talk about hustling and doing more, and this is a personal development podcast or self-development, whatever you want to sell personal growth. And We talk a lot about ways that you can be more productive and grow, but we also want to balance that out with your worth is not tied up in what you produce. And then at the same time, I think it's time that we break through a little bit of the cultural conditioning that we have grown up with here in the United States. I know that we have some listeners in other countries, but in the United States, this is the hustle and grind of capitalism, right? And this that's never changing. And I don't want to go on like a like a rant on capitalism because I, I don't hate capitalism. Um, I think we do capitalism wrong sometimes. And I think we take it too far. And this culture is very much anti-laziness, truly, on so many levels. And so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about hustle culture once again. Um, I want to talk about the laziness disapproval that she writes about in this article. And I also want to talk about, you know, unplugging and how to actually just stop spinning your wheels and procrastinating and all of those things. It's so good. I don't think we can not talk about this enough, right? Yeah. This is always relevant. Yes. It's always relevant. Exactly. And we may slow down for a moment and then you know, that gremlin in us, that internal critic comes, you know, starts to go and it's like, you're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. And you can suppress it for some time, but sometimes you just get right back into it. And like, especially if you're a workaholic, like any addiction, it's even worse than it was before. Yep. So then you got to rein it back in. And reining it in can feel 
it doesn't feel good because we've been conditioned to believe that when we do rein it in, this is, this is laziness or we're not doing enough. We have our self-worth tied so strongly to what we produce that it's just, it's almost like you experience severe cognitive dissonance when you do decide to just take a break. So I want to read a couple of passages from this article and um, just starting out. This is kind of exactly what I'm trying to say also about our podcast, but she says, most of our readers visit the pages of this blog for self-improvement tips and tricks. We are so grateful for all of you and we vow to always be truthful with you. Hence, we are here to tell you that productivity is not the only method to maximize your potential and chances for success. In fact, sometimes it might even stand in the way of your greatness. What will really take your game to another level is balance. And then she goes into hustle culture. So we are constantly bombarded with messages that our self-worth comes from how much we are willing to run ourselves into the ground. Taking breaks is for the weak. You snooze, you lose. You'll sleep when you're dead. Hold on. With that attitude, you might sleep sooner than you think. And then she goes on to say, basically, like, there's a dark side to everything. The, the work, the productive work that you're doing is can be toxic. It goes, it's like what we just learned about from... Who did we just interview? Sarah. Sarah. I almost said Sandy. I'm like, that's not right. We were talking about Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like holding your hand. I'm like, I need this to matriculate. <laughs> I'm like, what are, we, what are we saying? But that our gifts become our liabilities, right? The things that we pride ourselves on, you know, we're good at that. So that's like our go-to. That's our default. And over time, it can be, it can be our demise. Yep. And it sets up just like unrealistic expectations for ourselves because there's never going to be a time where you're doing enough. We're going to segue into the laziness disapproval and how we really, in this culture, we focus a lot on that, even politically. So I'm going to get political a little bit today. And um, Jenny Schatzel has given me the courage to do so. So let's do it. With all the stress of our advanced world, our backs have been bent for a while as much as honest hard work is a testament to a person's character, at some point in our history, we've been begun perceiving that rest is laziness. We romanticize the grind and push time out as a shameful behavior that is the likely source of all unhappiness and failure. According to Devin Price, psychologist and author of Laziness Does Not Exist, the laziness is a lie, is a belief system that says hard work is morally superior to relaxation and that people who aren't productive have less innate value than productive people. I want to say that again. There's a perception that hard work is morally superior to relaxation and that people who aren't productive have less innate value than productive people. And now I want to shoot this over to the things that are going on with the great resignation, which has actually been happening longer than just 2020 and 2021. With the increase of everyone having a side hustle type yeah. deal, mm-hmm. people have started doing, you know, realizing that with the internet and everything, we have more, we have gifts and we are able to serve a larger audience than we ever have been in, at any other time in the world. So now we're able to take these gifts or these talents that we have, and we're able to put it online and either build a community or build a business around it. And a lot of people are just quitting those jobs and then starting their own thing. That's one thing. Um, And that's one thing that has contributed to the great resignation. The other thing is here in the USA, we think we glamorize the fact that, you know, we work really hard and there's this, this illusion of the American dream, which is 
truly an illusion because at this point, like, and I think this can hit home big time for millennials, we don't have the same reality that our boomer parents did where they may have been able to realize this American dream before. And now it's not like you can't buy a house anymore for $25,000. That's just not it. You can't go pay, you know, $1,500 for a car like you used to be able to back in the day and all of those things. And so I think, I think we're all in a different place where it's like, even the people who have gone four-year degrees, and then they bust their asses for very little pay. So even with a four-year degree, people are underpaid. And then you want to bring in the minimum wage stuff, right? And so I know whatever your opinion is on minimum wage, people can't live on it. And so you have to work. I'm of the belief system that those jobs and people are just as important as the people who are doing surgery, because those people are needed for a functioning society. And we've seen that when people are like bitching about how, you know, oh, the service at this restaurant is terrible because, and I'm going to say it, nobody wants to work anymore. I'm tying this back into the laziness disapproval. And so those, if you're, if you're one of those people who are saying that you benefit directly from, from these people in society who are working low wages to do a service for you. Um, And I think what we need instead of pointing fingers and calling people lazy is more empathy and realizing that these, these jobs and these things, I'm not running for president. Don't worry. (laughs) Um, They deserve to be, uh, have a livable wage. And so maybe we wouldn't have to grind ourselves to the ground, but bringing it back to this of, you know, I hear that a lot, like, oh, people don't want to work anymore. And I'm like, you know, that brings into the laziness thing. Oh, they're just too lazy. They don't want to get a job. They just want to sit and pick their nose and live off the government or whatever. Does that exist? Yeah, those are real. That's a real thing. Do I think that there's a lot more to it and that we need to be open and have our open hearts about it? Yeah. Do I think we need to change our perception on how we feel about laziness? I think that could be a core way for us to really start to understand this issue on a deeper level. And then I think, too, if you're one of these people that feel this way, are you working too fucking hard to get very little? I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, they're not. I'm grinding. I'm working 17 jobs. I'm doing everything. Why can't they? And I'm like, man, you shouldn't be either. I was just having this conversation with Kyle and saying we're we're talking about our business and there was an article and I wish I could, I'm trying to think of who wrote it or where it was, but it's here nor there, but it was a guy talking about, you know, I was hustling so much at work and I was basically, he was killing himself at work and, and someone finally came up to him and said, why don't you just put in the minimum? Cause he was basically saying like, no one wants to work. No one wants to work as hard as me. And he's like, but you're you're exceeding expectations. And, and as employers and as managers, like I was, we want, we want to exceed expectations. We want to, we want people to kind of show you what you're made of, right? So you can show your value and then hopefully you get your promotion, you get raises, you get all the things and move from that entry level position. And then you kind of move up. However, when you consistently grind and grind and grind and you're coming in early and staying late, and, in, and to his point, when he stopped doing that, when he just came into work, he wasn't being lazy. And what could have been perceived as laziness, like, oh, now you're just lazy. You're not doing anything. It's like, no, I'm not doing 
not sitting here doing nothing. I'm doing my job and I'm coming in like everyone else. I'm coming in at eight. I'm leaving at four 30. I'm not staying late. And you know what? People started to pick up the slack. I still got paid the same. I'm actually getting paid more per hour because I'm not working so much and getting paid the same. Yeah. And so, and he still has the downtime and, and recovery time and still has the fulfillment of doing his job that he likes. It doesn't need a promotion right now. He's comfortable where he's at, but he's just flexing. So it's sustainable. If that makes that, sense. Yeah. And that's a good point. I think one of the things that we, we realize too, is we live in a scarcity culture, right? And so we, we have this feeling like, well, if I don't do it, they're going to see, you know, John over here doing it. And then I'm going to look like I'm not doing enough. And so we're also doing this comparison thing. And competing against each other. We're not a community anymore. We're competing. It's so multifaceted, but like this, this, there are three beliefs driving our disapproval of the idleness, right? It's, Number one is we think our worth is wrapped up in our productivity. And this makes us easy to exploit, which is basically what you just said, right? If we're willing to tie our inner value to our efficiency, we'll end up taking on more work than it's what's healthy for us, than what we're getting paid for. And I think too, as as a business owner, we always think, well, I've come to the terms that nobody's going to care about my baby more than I do. And so I can't expect, I'm willing to grind and do the things and, and whatever, but I can't expect that all of my people do that. But what I need to do is lead better so that they feel fulfilled in more ways because it's not just about money, right? So there, we could go on a complete tangent about like compensation and how people actually would rather feel more valued and given, you know, a chance to really thrive and and learn than maybe just constantly get compensation. So it's not always about the money, but we have to realize that our shoulders have not been built to withstand the weight of the world. Um, The second perception is that we can't trust our own feelings or our limits. So we're not machines and yet we dismiss our tiredness as if it's something unnatural. Instead of taking a nap or a break, we push through and ignore those gut feelings that tell us to stop. And slowly, we unlearn how to trust ourselves. What did Adam Grant say in his recent podcast? And I think I sent it to you or you sent it to me, but he was like talking about a company and they took sad days, right? Or like a tired day. Like, and you know, most larger businesses or corporations have PTO. You get personal time off, whether it's sick time or vacation time, whatever. And your PTO, your personal time is your personal time. And it doesn't matter what you take that for. If you're sad one day and you need to take time off, take the time, right? Why not have sad days? I agree. Because we're human. We're not a robot. Uh, uh, totally. But Robots I think- don't feel we do. And the thing that drives me crazy too, and on a cultural level is I I have such strong beliefs in this that I will sacrifice the growth of my business before I'm able to pay compensate somebody well or to give them benefits. Like we're such a small business that I can't offer health insurance or anything like that yet. But instead, in lieu of that, I'm going to do other things that are within my power and don't cost me anything. Eventually, we we were doing Fridays off and then we had to pivot. And eventually what we're going to do, for example, is like Fridays off where we're only working four days a week. That doesn't mean it's four tens, 40 hours and four days. No, that's eight times four is 32. (laughs) 
that's 32 art. Yeah, math isn't my strong. I'm, I'm, I do, I do art. Um, and so I'm, I just feel like there's ways that, and the other thing too, like if you need to go do something, go do it. Our whole working model, the eight hour day, all of that was birth of the industrial revolution. And, and we're basically model our work days on the assembly line. That doesn't work anymore, especially with people who do brain work, you know, and so you need to take that time and there's no shame in taking that time. So the third belief driving our disapproval of idleness is there is always more to do that you could be doing. It's important to set healthy boundaries, learn to say no and beat perfectionism. Otherwise, you'll chronically feel guilty and overwhelmed like the walls are constantly closing in on you. And I'm raising my hand because this is me. Always. This is something that I struggle with now, and I know it will be a struggle forever. But because I always I use Asana and I I have like a list of things that I want to do, and I do feel a little bit like I failed if I didn't get through everything. Part of that is the list is too long. It's too there's too much to do in a Mm -hmm. in a reasonable amount of time, and also for people who do creative work, there are days where you're just like. If there was a creativity well, this would be dry and we'd have to go migrate to a new one and find something else. The dust bowl. <laughs> but there isn't a lot of, in, in, again, in a cultural aspect, if I were to go back to a client and be like, hey, listen, I'm just not feeling creative today. They'd be like, you know what? I don't fucking care. It's not we have a deadline. Problem. Figure exactly. it out. Exactly. And so the reason why I bring in some of this political stuff and the reason why I bring in the cultural aspect of this is because if it makes you feel uncomfortable that we're talking about this, then I want you to really sit with this and figure out what about it does, because you might be partaking in this crazy perfectionism or not being able to set boundaries or not saying no, or maybe you think that your worth is tied up in what you're producing, or maybe you're not cutting your employees enough slack. Maybe you're not bringing the humanity into the workplace that people are craving. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I want to say about the great resignation is, Younger people are smarter than even us. They're like, I'm not, I see this bullshit that you guys are doing and I'm not doing it. I'm not signing. I'm not partaking, not doing it. And we're all like, what? (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) Because jobs are so abundant now. And something that's, you know, even as us millennials, the younger generations they're, they're so used to having so much variety in their life, whether it's social media, that constant stimulation, the tenure that we're seeing in associates is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And so because there's so many jobs available, these younger generations are like, here I am I'm here to work, work for like three years, maybe two and a half, three years. And then they're bouncing to something else because they want a variety. It, it's no longer like you had mentioned earlier, you go to, you go to four-year college, you go to school for maybe not a job for your passion, but the thing that would afford you the best salary. And you did that. Now it's like, do I even need to go to college? I can make a living doing this, right? Like you said, we, we can, we have gifts and then we can monetize off those gifts. So the whole landscape of employment, what em- employment looks like is changing drastically and these minimum wage jobs yes in high school you know you go and you get a job and you're working part-time and all that there's a place for that I feel like to get to 
gain some of those skills, but that's quickly going to change because even high schoolers are going to start making money on their own because they're getting smarter, right? They're figuring it out and figuring how to make money themselves. So the big change, the big assembly lines, they're not going to be desirable. I hope that people, there are still people that they go and they're satisfied with those jobs because we're going to need those people. I don't know how much robots can actually replace humans, um, and, or how long that's going to take. It's happening faster than I think corporations are prepared for. Yeah, I think so too. I'm going to go on a little tangent that may or may not have to do with any of this, but, um, whatever. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves ever is restaurants. And I used to be a server in college and I made great money with tips and sometimes I made no money with tips. Or So let me just explain. The concept of tipping, I hate it. Makes me mad. Really mad. When I worked at a restaurant in North Dakota, my, my wage was $2 an hour. So we lived in North Dakota. And I was about an hour and a half from the Canadian border. And in Canada, they don't tip. That's not a thing in Canada. And at the time, it was... I don't know. I don't think this is the case anymore, but their money went further down here in the, in the States. So they would come down to Grand Forks, North Dakota, go shopping and then go to the restaurant to eat. And then those days, if you were working a Saturday shift that was, you know, busy for that season, you made $2 an hour. You're basically working for free. Um, and I think, and I, I don't want to pretend to know the inner workings of like the restaurant industry. I'm not saying that, but I'm just bringing awareness like fully to the issue of, you know, beyond kind of the scope of what we're talking about, but, you know, regular people like us are expected to pay the wages of those people. Is that a great business model? (laughs) There's nowhere else that I, I know that is that way. Like, I don't know. So anyway, that's, that's a whole thing. But the thing I think I'm getting at is having the courage if we want things to change so people can stop grinding themselves into the ground and so that people feel valued, people feel seen and heard and like they're, they're in the right place. So they stay longer. And so we, you know, Lindsay and I have a different perspective as employers, you know, I think we, it needs to start with us and we need to reevaluate how we feel about like this laziness culture or not this laziness culture, but the laziness myth. And then how we can counter the hustle culture because I certainly don't want, I I actually scold my employee when she works past her hours or when she's checking emails on the weekend. I'm like this, stop working. Um, And, you know, I think one of her things is she just loves what she does and she's just, she just does it. All that to say, like, we need to be the change. And it starts with a certain amount of awareness and maybe open-mindedness to think of things in a different way. And I I really, truly want to see us, this generation, the millennials and Gen Z and generations before that. And even, hey, Gen Xers, boomers, if you're willing to jump on board too, how can we make this so we are teaching our employees and people and even in colleges, maybe it's an educational thing where we talk about self-care and how important it is to find some balance Work isn't everything. Everything about you as the human being that you are is not wrapped up in how you earn a living. 100%. You know, I think too, we got to, we really got to shine 
a light on the scarcity mindset. We live in a scarcity culture. Uh, And I think millennials, especially, we kind of entered the workforce on this. There isn't enough anyway. You know, we, we graduated college and the freaking economy crashed and nobody could find a job. So you literally were like, oh, oh, can I take your scraps? I will work for scraps. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so we've just had, um, I saw a meme the other day that's like, oh, see, it was that if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. And it was like, if, you, if you're a millennial and it was like, and it listed all of the crises that millennials have lived through. Yeah. <laughs> and it, clap your hands. And you're like, yep, me. And I think we, again, you know, it was crash and then all of the other the war and then pandemic and ending a war and oh man it just seems like it's one thing after another and so I think especially millennials were really great at hustling and grinding because that's what we've had to do and kind of like what Sarah said and Sarah Carlson said is these are ways that we kept ourselves safe safe these are the ways that we protected ourselves and created security for ourselves and at this point now we're just making we're making the decision to continue to drive ourselves into the ground to benefit who yep and just because it's been that way and just because it was taught to us from our grandparents who survived you know the great depression and and the things that they learned and you know, the economy boom and crash in the eighties and all these things. It's like, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, we don't cut off hands for reading books and, you know, burn people at the pyre for whatever, right. Our our society has evolved. Yeah. But, but we're so hell bent on sticking to certain modalities and, 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 you know, even the tipping, I agree 100% with the tipping. I would too, was a server at Chili's for many years. And, you know, my pay, my hourly rate was 213 an hour. My paychecks equaled zero. You know, that, that was equal zero. That's just like cover tax. And then I had Mm -hmm. my tips and, you know, we talk about our value of time. So no matter, and I always thought that was kind of a bullshit model. And I I still do because someone who's sitting there drinking coffee for two hours and someone who's eating a hundred, $200 meal for two hours, it's still somebody's time. And you're still sitting at my table that I get paid for. And you're taking up my time and you're only going to tip me 50 cents because you had coffee instead of the $200 meal, which would get, you know, $40. So it doesn't equate to how we invest our time. And those are our two most precious resources, our energy and our time. And how we can, how can we do it better? And if you're in a place, if you're even working for a corporation where you have, you know, some flexibility to change the culture of your location, I'll use myself as an example in the funeral home where, you know, I tried to bring the human side of it as much as I could. Family and school was number one. I'm like, this is a job. You could work anywhere. You're going to school. I will help you work your, your schedule around your school. You have something going on with your family. You better be there for your family. You only get one chance at that. So you only get one life, right? We're in the funeral industry. It's like blaring at us all the time. Like your time is limited. What's the best way to do that? And it, it goes a long way. You get loyal team members when you bring the human side of it. You get richer relationships. You get better opportunities. It just, it takes you so much further. The growth that 
I saw some of the folks that I had coached and I had worked with and where they are at now, it's incredible. And I'm not saying I'm the reason, but someone who may have been thought that they were lazy or nuisance to society or not good enough, you know, I could see past some of that a lot of times, you know, don't get me wrong. I didn't, there were some people I was not tolerating their bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> there are bad employees. Well, that's a, there's, that's a totally different story. But for those who just needed a little bit of grace and understanding, we all want that. So why don't we, why don't we give that more? Mm-hmm. I know. And I love that you mentioned bringing the human and the humanity back into the workplace because these are the individuals who are going to be able to influence change. And, you know, to quote one of my faves, Barack Obama, change doesn't happen overnight. He said the arc bends toward progress. It's not like this. It's an arc. It does this and it's slow. And when she did this, she shot her arm straight went, up in the yeah, air. I did. Yeah, that's true. I forgot. I can't <laughs> see me. I went like a rocket. There's no rocket. It's, it's like a rainbow, but flatter. <laughs> And we talk about two, uh, 1% change. So even if it's 1% or 2% a year, it's your, your progress is progress, right? You, you're getting there. And so I feel like we, we are the ones who are going to be able to do this on a micro level. We do have the power to change this. And the first thing is recognizing where we are complicit. Your story about the, the guy who decided to just say, hey, I'm, I'm just going to do enough, not above and beyond all the time. There's a time and a place for above and beyond. More, when there's a call to arms and we need to pull, you know, dig our heels in and do that thing, then yeah, we should do that. But that doesn't have to be your baseline. It shouldn't be your baseline. You, that's not sustainable. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, we're, we're on more anti-anxiety, anti-depression, um, you know, talk about like addictions and all of the other really toxic coping mechanisms for overworking. It's just, it's killing us. And what a shame to grind yourself into the ground for, you know, the 40 working years of your life and then retire and have a heart attack. What kind of life was that? It wasn't. So bringing it back to like, okay, so what the hell do we do about it? Well, first of all, just know that we say self-care a lot, but self-care isn't selfish. Self-indulgence is not laziness. One of the things that I've found interesting with the dialogue going on right now with job market and, you know, nobody wants to work anymore and people are lazy because they're living off of whatever government assistance um, during the pandemic is taking a step back and realizing our shared humanity throughout this pandemic too. Some people have lost their jobs and realized that they are going to take matters into their own hands and they're going to start their own business. I'm tired of working. Like you, you, you told me, a lot of people are like saying, I'm tired of working that way. I'm tired of that hustle. I'm going to do my own thing. If I'm going to hustle, I'm doing it for me. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, 650,000 or 350, however, hundreds of thousands of people have died. That's another thing. And, you know, some people have to stay home with their kids because they can't go back to school full-time because maybe they're in school and then they're not because, you know, quarantine. And so having some grace there, you know, and, and I think that's a big one too. Like people having to change their routine, not being able to go back to work. And so they are using that assistance to help their, their household income because 
they can't work because they have children, multiple children, right? Yeah. And, and preschool and daycare and, and those means is so expensive that minimum wage would never be able to afford that. Kind Why of would you care. work? Why would you work just to pay for daycare? Yeah. I've, I have, my heart goes out to all the parents out there who have to make that choice. Right. Um, and by the way, also, this is disproportionately affecting women, this pandemic. Um, and so I get my defenses come up and I almost like put up my duke. Some people are like, nobody wants to work anymore. Everyone is lazy. And I'm like, you don't, that's a really toxic thing to keep saying because you don't know that you don't know that um, maybe they're taking the time to be, to start their own thing. And, and hopefully that will contribute to the economy in another way. We are not just cogs in the wheel to contribute to the economy. We didn't, we, we did not get born <laughs> to be a cog in the wheel to die. We're here to grow our, our, our spiritual, our souls, ourselves to contribute to a, a bigger purpose for whatever that means for you. You know, that looks different for everybody. Um, but disproportionately affecting women because there's still a gender pay gap. Most of the women, most of the time when a family has to take, make a decision on who's going to stay home because the sustainability of having kids in and out of school because of, you know, exposure contacts and contract tracing and stuff like that is going to affect one of us. Um, and usually it's the, it can be the woman because she makes less and it's a more, it's a financially more savvy decision for her to stay home. And not to mention the nurturing parts of usually the caretaking comes with, you know, the woman. And um, there's been like a, a, statistic, a statistical drop in women out of the workforce for that reason. And I just want to like say, if this is you, if you had to do this, I know that is not easy. That is so hard, especially for those women out there who loved what they were doing. And so, again, all I'm trying to do, and I know I keep bringing it back to a little bit of the politics, is I just want to be, I want us to think kind of like what Jenny Schatzel said in a previous interview, I want us to think with understanding and empathy instead of just reacting and spouting things that we hear without thinking about them first and how they affect people. And you don't know, you may be talking to somebody who's been affected by that, having that language. So the other thing is like she says in this article, please, for the love of the universe, avoid using self-care for the sole purpose of improving your productivity. Obviously, relaxation has a huge career enhancing benefits. It will recharge your batteries and you can keep making your dreams come true. And that's wonderful. But what a proper night to howl means is no grind on your mind. So all the non-negotiables, such as exercise, eating, and sleeping may bring us joy, especially if cooking or yoga is your hobby, but we still run on more than that. We need strong and nurturing relationships. We need more fun and to broaden our horizons by traveling, including maybe a staycation. We need purpose. We need art, beauty, intentional time alone, and nature. Life's richness is our wealth, yet it too has to be earned by accepting the gift of time off. According to Devin Price, we need to stop measuring our lives in a conditional way. Tear the pages of your calendars to calm down if you must, type A's. But whether you like it or not, time wasting can be healthy, which means even a little laziness is perfectly acceptable. So however you're using your time during this pandemic, however, I just want to say like, it's okay. You know, I think the people who abuse 
systems and things like that are, are few and far between. Lindsay and I were talking off air. I'm like, I'm one of those people who just wants to believe that people are inherently good and that we're all doing the best that we can. And I want to be a voice to change this perception on quote unquote laziness and also hustle culture, because as somebody who I do throw myself into my business and I am willing to work as hard as I need to in order to make it succeed, I have been guilty of not setting proper boundaries, not valuing certain parts, you know, not being able to say no, um, and really putting a lot of my own self-worth in what I do. And I know if I'm doing this on my level, I know that there's people out there in corporations and organizations who are doing it too. And I know it's falling you know, even, even the minimum wage job earners who really take pride in what they do, you are valued and you matter and you deserve to take some time to yourself to just be, to enjoy the little things in life that matter on top of all the things that we already should quotes be doing. And so that's my soapbox today. (laughs) It's a good one. I can tell you too, I know that as a business owner, it's hard to take time off. Uh, I am always jealous of people who have PTO um, because there's no such thing when you're, when you're building up a business, but coming up on like taking two weeks off for a surgery has been really eye-opening for me too. Cause I'm like, wow, you know, this isn't just like I can jump on on vacation. I might just be not able to. And so it's kind of brought a different perspective of, I've had to change my mindset around it. Like you could easily fall into, I feel like I'm failing the people that I'm leaving for a couple of weeks. Right. But it's like, no, I'm taking what I need to do so I can come back stronger. Yeah. All good leaders have equipped their team to be able to get through those times. They have the tools to make it while you were there. If you were gone for two, for, you know, days at a time, one week, two weeks, and your team can't make it through that, then there's some work to do there. Yeah. That's why it's important to grow your team. It's just important to equip them with the resources and tools they need to do their job effectively. And then some, if they need to, so they can continue to grow. Right. A lot of this, I'm going to go on one quick tangent because yeah, I got sidetracked in my brain. One of the most frustrating parts about working in a, in a larger organization, the more I was coaching, the more I was hearing. And this is specifically women. We had like a women's leadership seminar. I was talking to more women and emailing and we're talking to in person about, you know, this limitless leadership and, you know, women empowerment and all these things. And the more I heard their opinions about resources, community, um, you know, connection within what our community should be with, within our locations in our market, I heard a lot of, they don't share, I'm not sharing and that's on them very selfish, confined, conflicting, and combative language about not wanting to share because it's all, I do it better. And if I share all my secrets, then she's going to outperform me. Right. So it's that, it's going back to that scarcity. There's not enough for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so we had a lot of challenging conversations. We had a lot of conversations around victimhood and boundaries and, belief systems, all the things. And when, when we withhold information, when we don't share our gifts, when we don't put it out there when, as, and as whether you're a leader or an, an associate, if we're not sharing that we're, we're doing everyone a disservice. So 
I know that's a tangent, but I was just thinking, you know, your team has got your back, Jenna, they've got your back while you're gone. Mm -hmm. So you can rest, you can come back better. Yeah. And I know you've done that for them and it's your job as a leader and every other leader to do that. So we can take the time because whether you're a manager or owner or whatever, when you're responsible for a group of people or clients, whatever your area of responsibility is, we're not, we're not robots. We have to take, we have to be able to take time, whether it's quote unquote paid time off or not. You know, there's always that catch up phase. There's always, you know, the, the stress of getting back into everything and getting caught up, which is stressful on its own, but Mm -hmm. we need that time to decompress and recharge. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that you said that that was a classically a female thing or a thing with women in the workplace. And I think too, Glennon Doyle was just talking about this. This is a a tangent too. Does it really tie into, maybe it does. Women especially have had to compete. We're just getting a seat at the table in the grand scheme of things, truly in the, in, you know, even our mom's lifetime. And so not only do we have to compete, you know, up here with the men, but we have to compete with each other. Yeah. And so it's hard to know who to trust in that sense too. So also I want to say to all the ladies out there, make allies. You don't have to feel like you have to compete with somebody. Why not? I always say it's usually better together. And so even like for, with my own industry, let me just say, this doesn't even have to be just like all the ladies band together and have each other's backs because duh, of course, but I am friends with other designers, even though they are in direct competition with me. I want community over competition. What I know that I can teach you is going to make you better. And there's enough to go around for everybody. Again, going back to this cultural cultural scarcity mindset thing going on. You do better. I do better. It's just, this is the way I think that we go instead of having a healthy competition is good. It helps us to drive to be better and strive to be better and be you know, there's nothing wrong with a little competition, but when that's the thing all the time, that's fucking exhausting. want to talk about adding to the exhaustion of work. Competing for things is just, it takes so much time, but when, and this can sound a little woo woo, but when you put good things out there, you're going to get great things. Yes. And I think everyone inherently knows that. But then when they're, when we're talking about money or our job or the things that create a tight security, right? That's when the claws come out. Oh yeah. Yep. It is. And I think the only thing that helps that is self-awareness and empathy. Those two things. I think there's, if there's anything that I think any human being on this planet could, would benefit you no matter what your situation, it's self-awareness and empathy having more awareness of where you're at and how you're thinking and pausing instead of reacting. And then also how can we feel like what's going on from somebody else's perspective? Mm-hmm. And I will tell, I will say that's harder. Like I'm an empath, so I feel everything, but what I, I'm certainly not saying that because that feels, we need the feelers and we need the less feelers. Those two things are very important. If we had the super empathic people trying to do brain surgery, things would probably fall apart real fast. Like, <laughs> so we do need, we, we need the balance, but at the end of the day, it's the humanity part. You know, that brain surgeon can still have empathy and understand the shared humanity of everyone in his care. Right. Yep. So 
let's be nicer to each other. Let's be nicer to ourselves. Let's cut ourselves a break and let's stop using lazy. Like let's, I want to, unless you're saying it's a lazy Sunday and I'm embracing that, I don't want it to be the derogatory thing anymore because if there's anything we deserve to be every once in a while, it's lazy. We fucking work our asses off. I I have a client that's from the UK. She's from France. She lives in the UK. We talk about Americans all the time. And it's very interesting because I rarely leave the four walls of my home, but I have a lot of exposure to people everywhere in the country, including overseas. And she's like, yeah, man, you guys just really kill yourselves over there. (laughs) You know, and I'm like, yeah, we really do. We're kind of like not really thinking truly. We don't pause to think about, hey, maybe this, maybe this isn't the way it should be. And there's so many countries that do it differently. Yeah. To Spain, they still have siesta. Things shut down. Yeah. And for a tourist, that may be frustrating because you can't get something to eat at certain time of day. However, if you know what's happening and you're that person who gets the, to rest and just zone out for a couple hours in the middle of the day, it's amazing. I think there's a lot of things that, you know, America's young. We're the young kid thinking we know everything. Yeah. Welcome to my household. <laughs> <laughs> But as far as like the world stage, we're the teenager that thinks that they know more than their parents. And then yeah. there's these there's these countries over Europe who's been like, listen, squirt, we've been doing this a lot longer than you. We're going to take a fucking nap. Okay. Yeah. You just keep going with your little grind thing. You just keep doing that. See how let that works out that for goes. you. Let yeah. Let, let's see how that works out for you. And just let me know. Um, I'll be over here taking a nap if you want to join me later. <laughs> So oh my God. anyway, that's, that's all I have for you today on that subject. Oh, it's good. Take the time to rest. I swear this is the overarching theme lately is sometimes to do more, you got to do less and you got to rest. Yeah. You got to slow down and I am 100% on board. And that is the only thing that has been working for me during my big transition with leaving the funeral industry, starting my business and my sobriety. So, and I will I say, preach it enough. Um, piggybacking on that is you don't have to feel guilty for resting and you, and this is coming from me who everyone knows the six in me who doesn't have a whole lot of faith or is practicing growing into not faith as in religion, but faith as in knowing things will work out. Um, Have faith that when you do step away, things will not fall apart. Like you will be okay. Things will be okay. We're not, this isn't life or death. Truly. It will be if you don't step away. So have faith that you'll be okay. Anyway, until next time. Thank you for taking us. (laughs) Be lazy. Get out your comfy pants. Do whatever you need to do. Go out in nature. I've recently picked up art. Like as in on my, I've been drawing and painting on my iPad and. And Jenna wants you to watch Ted Lasso. And watch, can watch Ted Lasso. And if you don't have it marked on your calendar, Dexter is coming out back and it's coming back out in November. Yeah. And I need to catch up on the first whole thing on Dexter. I haven't done that yet. I want to rewatch it because it's I'm late to the party. I'm late to the party on Ted Lasso. I'm like texting everyone. Everyone's like, where the hell have you been? I don't even, I haven't even heard of it until you told me about it. I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I don't have Apple plus. So, well, we do because of the morning show. That's another one. Um, But yeah, Ted Lasso, if you want to talk about leadership 
like a good leadership show and learning like true empathy and connection with humans. Ted Lasso is your thing. There you go. The way to go. But until next time, we'll see you later. The Art of Getting Your Shit Together is produced and edited by LD Coaching and Blush Cactus Boutique Design Studio. We would love it if you'd head over to iTunes and subscribe, leave us five stars, and write a quick review. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with your friends so that we can continue to grow our tribe. Tag us on Instagram at tagist underscore podcast with your shares, and we'll feature you on our story. Don't forget to grab our free guide, five things you can do right now to get your shit together and start living your best life over at tagus.com slash kick more ass. Remember your life only gets better when you decide to grow and it's never too late to get your shit together.